friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. to go to the Word of God. Today, we are still not going to the book of James. We're still going thematic, maybe up until next Sunday, and then I dive in back to our series on the book of James. But for now, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verses 1 to 9, and I'd like everybody to please rise from their seats as we read Proverbs 4 verses 1 to 9. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this wonderful time that you've given us, O God, that we might be able to bask in your presence and honor and glorify your holy name. Indeed, Lord, this is the climax of our week, and we rejoice that we are in the house of God to to glorify you, to honor you, to worship you, O God. And we invite, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us and upon our hearts and our minds. I pray for myself, Lord, that you might anoint my lips of clay, and may I speak as I should, boldly, with confidence, with clarity, speaking the truth with passion, O God. I seek your grace upon me and upon the hearts and minds of your people. Provide illumination that we may be able to understand your word. Father, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled this uh, morning sermon, Living in the Wisdom of God. I believe nobody will argue with me that we belong to dangerous and perilous times. In fact, just quite recently, we had some events that actually shocked the world. And I believe some of you got hold of the news that in Las Vegas, there was a massacre that took place. People were watching a concert, and then all of a sudden, they heard shooting from high-powered guns. And they did not know uh, where it was coming from, and they were sort of fenced in. They were running to and fro not knowing where to go. They were like sitting ducks, and many of them died. I think uh, as of the latest that I 
actually heard there were about 59 people who died and there were hundreds of people who were injured, some of them quite critical. And so we look at that and we cannot help but ask ourselves the question, what is happening to our world? Well, friends, we belong to dark times. I happen to talk also to one of the uh, leaders of International Justice Mission, Pastor Glenn Edwards, who happens to be uh, the church mobilizer for IJM. And he was talking to me about the perilous things that are taking place in our country, particularly uh, cyber sex. And I think I gave you some statistics before that we are number one in cyber sex all over the world. And he said, do you know where the hot spot is, Pastor Mel? And so I asked, where is it? And he said, the hot spot is right here in Cebu. And so these are the things that are happening around the world. Darkness hovers around us, and we're wondering what is happening. But friends, God is not taken by surprise. He actually predicted these things actually taking place. And we find uh, it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, and I'd like to read that to you, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 to 2. And here's what it says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. There you go. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, reviler, and I'd like you to note this because this is going to really be part of what I'm going to talk about. It says here, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. So one of the reasons why we live in a difficult world is because of all the things that were cited, but also because children have become rebellious. So the question, of course, that we would like to be able to ask ourselves this morning is, how do we protect ourselves and our children from the darkness that hovers about us? How do we overcome the pressures of worldly voices and worldly choices? The passage that we will be teaching today tells us how we and our children will be able to survive this world. I'm not just talking about physical survival. I'm talking about spiritual survival. And so this passage that we will talk about will deal with that particular message. Now, the passage is a call to heed godly wisdom of the parents, which should be embraced from generation to generation. There are three things I would like us to see in this sermon, and I'd like to pull back a bit and show you what we will be talking about. This is going to be how it's going to pan out for us. So let me go to the first point, which is the priority of promoting God's wisdom. That is a priority. Now, I recognize that in our families, we have our own set of priorities. And obviously, some of the direction that we are taking has to do with providing a bright future for our children. Now, that's good. But friends, we need to understand what are the top things in so far as God is concerned for us. And I'd like to be able to tell you that on top of the list 
is the priority of promoting godly wisdom. That's how you secure your family. Again, it is priority. So please take note of that. And then the second point here, which we will be talking about, is if it is a priority, then therefore it is a necessity. So this is something we cannot do without. This is something that we need to have in our lives, a very, very necessary component in our lives. So it's not something optional. We have no choice but to understand that we have to pursue wisdom. The third and final point would be this, the blessedness of wisdom. Now, how many of us here would like to be blessed? Please raise your hands. All right. Of course, we all want to be blessed. But if you are going to be blessed, it's because you're following the way of wisdom. And I hope to be able to convince you in the next hour or so. But let's first of all talk about the priority of promoting God's wisdom, which we find in verses 1 to 4a. And I'd like us to read this. It goes, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son, in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me. Now, this passage speaks about the priority of wisdom. But before we expound on this, I'd like us to start on the right foot by giving you a working definition of what wisdom is. Because probably we already have some preconceived notions about what this wisdom is. And I'd like to be able to focus on the definition so we don't get lost and we don't get confused. So here's the, here's the definition. It is a godly and biblical knowledge of life and God's will that should be translated into conduct and the making of right choices in life. Let me repeat it again. It is a godly and biblical knowledge of life and God's will that should be translated into conduct and the making of right choices in life. Now, I think that's very important for us to have a handle on because, friends, if we are going to have a life that has quality, well, friends, obviously, we need to have that wisdom. Because this wisdom is so practical, so practical, in fact, that you will know if you're going to get married with the right person. You will be able to choose the right man or the right woman for you. You will be able to make the right choices in so far as jobs to take. There might be several doors that have been opened to you. And you're asking the question, well, what door do I enter into? Well, the wisdom of God will be able to provide that for you. And sometimes you're wondering, what businesses should I get into or who should be my partner? Again, friends, you go to the Bible, you will find general principles that will guide you in your life. They will guard you as well from making the wrong choices in life. Now, you and I know that we are a product of our own choices. Some of the choices we made were wise choices. I think I made a wise choice when I married my wife. Amen. So I'm thankful that I got married to the right person. 
And obviously, you and I are faced with hundreds of choices. Every single day, there are choices we have to make. Now, we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to mess up our lives. Because if we make the wrong choice, guess what's going to happen? It's going to affect our marriage. It's going to affect the way we do business. It's going to affect our spiritual lives. It's going to affect our own spiritual growth. So again, I cannot overemphasize the fact that it is really very important that we get into, dive into, and embrace the wisdom of God. Now, where do we find it? Where's the starting point? Well, the book of Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the starting point. You can't start right in the middle because you will get lost and you will get confused and you may not even understand what God is telling you. It has to start here. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about cringing in fear in His presence. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about just being obedient to the Lord because you're afraid that God might spank you and you might suffer the consequences of your wrong choices. Now, all of those things might be true. But you see, I think what is most important is for us to understand that what this essentially means is having a covenant relationship with God. And the reason why I say that is because the word Lord here comes from the Hebrew word Yahweh. Now, you probably know that God uses different titles just to be able to reveal His attributes to us. For example, He talks of Himself as El Shaddai and El Elyon or Adonai. And He talks about being Yahweh Nise and Yahweh Yaire. And all of these titles actually tell us something about God. But that name Yahweh is quite special. Because it was the name that God gave to His own children or to His own people, the nation of Israel. And that title was used to signify that covenant relationship that they had, that God had chosen this nation to be for Himself. And that is why the nation of Israel is called the chosen nation of God. Now, how does that apply to us in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, the way we have a covenant relationship is by receiving Christ as our own personal Lord and Savior. That's how we have a covenant relationship with Him. And I'd like to be able to ask you right now, do you have this relationship with God? Now, I'm not talking about knowledge that you got from a textbook or knowledge that you heard from your religion teachers. Because you can actually know about God and not know Him personally. I'm talking a, about a relationship that is intimate. A relationship wherein you do not see God from a distance, but rather you actually sense Him working in your life. You know He's right behind you. You know He's right before you. You know that He is with you and that He is for you and that He is not against you. You're able to see God, not just in the big details of your life, but you're even able to see Him in the tiniest of details in your life. Now, again, that can only happen if you have this relationship. 
Because when you have this relationship with Him, then you have become a temple of God. You have become a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides and dwells in you. And so it becomes a very personal, very intimate kind of relationship, much like what you have with your friends. In fact, more than what you have with your friends and with your spouses. It's a relationship that is like no other. In fact, the psalmist says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And, and so it speaks about encountering God and living a life that is within the bounds of God's framework. And it's a wonderful life. It's a beautiful life. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. It's a life of righteousness. It's a life wherein you are rid of all your guilt because you know that you have been forgiven by grace. You have been forgiven by God. All your sins are covered, past, present, and future. And you live in the confidence of being able to enter into the very throne of God to obtain help in time of need. So you have got to start from there. And so I need to ask you this question. Do you have that relationship with Him? And again, what you need to do is come to Him and say, Lord, if you're not in my life, please come into my life. I make you my King. I make you my Lord. And I make you my Savior. And from that time on, you will receive the wisdom of of the Lord. When you go to the scriptures, it will not just it will not be a dry book to you, but it will be a book that will open your eyes and open your heart and you will begin to see wonderful things from the scriptures. Things that will amaze you, things that will cause you to grow, things that will make you see life from the lens of God. And how beautiful that is. It, it's actually a rested life, a life of rest, a life wherein you just understand that God is in control. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, you know God is in control. And so you walk about life feeling that restedness, if I might use the word, you are feeling that restedness and that power working in you and through you. And you get amazed at the way God is able to move in your life. So as I describe to you this kind of a wisdom, obviously this kind of a wisdom is not just being, it's not about being street smart. Or as some of us Cebuanos would say, being maruk. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a wisdom that is born out of a relationship with the Lord. And this tells us that this wisdom is only available to those who have this covenant relationship with God, and you can also only pass it on to others who also have a covenant relationship with the Lord. So it is actually non-transferable to people who do not have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, you can try. And maybe they can understand bits and pieces of it, but they will never understand the fullness of it. And that is unfortunate, of course. So again, we need to start where we need to start, and that is having a relationship with the Lord. 
Now, taking a look at the passage that we just read, we find repeated calls to hear and pay attention to the Father's teaching. Now, the question is, who's the Father here? Who's the Father that's talking here? Well, it's Solomon. And actually, the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon for the purpose of instructing his own sons. One of them was going to be a king of Israel. And obviously, he wanted his sons, whoever will become king, to be wise, to be able to govern the nation of Israel correctly and properly. And so, he made time for them by instructing them and, in fact, writing down a collection of writings which would somehow guide them to make the right choices in life. So, that is what the book of Proverbs is. It is composed of short pithy sayings which somehow tell you this is the path that you need to walk in. And friends, thank God we also have the book of Proverbs because we can draw and glean so much practical wisdom from this book. Now, also, I'd like you to understand that there are certain words here that somehow bring emphasis to the importance of listening well to your parents. Those words would be here and give attention. And now it sounds redundant. It's just like, you know, using different words for the same thing. But it's a Jewish thing of emphasizing the importance of listening well to the parents' instruction. In the case of Solomon, he says that he actually became on the receiving end of instruction as well because his father, David, was a king. And his father likewise taught him and instructed him. And we find it actually here in the passage we just read. Notice what he said. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me. So he was also on the receiving end of instruction, which tells us, by the way, that parents should be the primary promoters of God's wisdom. Now, how many here are parents? Could you uh, please raise your hands? All right. Now, we have got to be intentional about discipling our own children. Well, I just remembered uh, Jake, one of the missionaries here. Hi, Jake. And um, uh, one time, we, my wife and I had breakfast uh, at Abaca here in Paseo. And he was there with his daughter. And so uh, I just chatted with him a bit, and he began to share me what he was doing. And he said, you know what? I, I bring my kids one by one. I, I bring them. We have breakfast. We, we walk, and I start sharing to them about the Bible. And that's wonderful. How many of us parents actually do that? wherein we just uh, sit down our children and talk to them and speak to them, inspiring things coming from the Word of God. You know, these things are foundational. We want them to grow up to become mature people, people who are responsible, people who are accountable, people who are disciplined, people who understand values and wisdom. That's not going to happen automatically. That's not going to happen because, you know, you, you bring your children to church. You need to be intentional. And David, I believe, King David should be commended that even in his busy life as a king, he was not derelict in his divine duty to instruct his own son Solomon. 
And maybe we should also commend Solomon because how many women did he have in his life? 700 wives and 300 concubines. I don't know how he survived. Now, friends, by the way, don't use that as an excuse to get married to two women or three or more because that's Old Testament. That was permitted at that time and definitely not permitted in our time. We are supposed to have a monogamous relationship. But what I'm thinking about here is if you have 1,000 women, obviously you have more than 1,000 children. Maybe that's the reason why he wrote the manual. Maybe that's the reason why he wrote the book of Proverbs, because he understood it's quite difficult. I mean, we are more than 1,000 here. Can you imagine if all of you were my children? Well, you are my spiritual children. And friends, can you just imagine being able to instruct and spend time with, with this large a crowd? And so, perhaps Solomon, in his desire to be able to instruct his children, wrote the book of Proverbs. By the way, the book of Proverbs was written also by others, but uh, it happens, it so happens that Solomon is the primary author because majority of the book of Proverbs come from him. Now, I just like to be able to say that when you think about this, how David did this and how Solomon did this, this becomes a rebuke to us. Because sometimes as parents, we have some lame excuses like, I'm so busy, I don't have time to be able to instruct my children. Or some of us would probably make the excuse and say, well, they have Sunday school, so let them learn all of that stuff in Sunday school. Or some of us might, might say, well, I send my children to Christian schools, so that's fine. They will get all their Christian education in church as well as in their school. Friends, I'll, I'll tell you this, that is not enough. In fact, if you take a look at the Old Testament, and I will also go into a New Testament passage later on, you will find the intentionality that needs to happen in raising up children. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 6, please. It says here, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, this is not talking about a formal instruction wherein it's like a classroom, wherein all your children are sitting down, and you're behind a rostrum or a pulpit, and you're beginning to instruct them and making them memorize some verses of Scripture. No, that's not what this is talking about. This is really informal. It's as you go about your, your daily thing, you're supposed to be sharing and looking for preaching points. And there are a lot that we can actually glean from. Because, for example, when we're driving our car and we're bringing our children to school, they will see a lot of things. And haven't you noticed sometimes they have so many questions like, why is this happening or why is this like that? And they're observing the world that we are living in. And the world that we are living in is filled with a lot of lessons. There will be people who will be knocking on your, your car window, and they'll be asking for money. And your children will be asking questions. There will be street children who are sometimes barefooted, wearing dirty clothes. Your children will be asking certain questions about them. 
And then they'll probably see the crazy driving that's happening in Cebu. Everybody just cutting the lanes. And, and your children might be asking some questions. Now, do you know that we can actually go to the Bible and explain some things to them and use those things that they observe as preaching points to teach them lessons in life? Is that important? Oh, yes, it is. Friends, a lot of us, in hindsight, begin to regret the lack of instruction that we have given to our children. And that is why, friends, I'd like to address the parents here to be more intentional in their discipling of their own children. Your first responsibility is to disciple your family. And by the way, that includes your spouses. So if you're a man, you're supposed to disciple your wife. And that's what I'm doing with my wife. I disciple her, and I'm thankful to God that she has stepped up to the plate, and she has grown, and she's discipling other people. That's how it's supposed to work. Because, you know, the world that we're living in is a dangerous world. We will, we will experience allurements and the seductions of the world, and we will find those glittering things, and we will be attracted to them, and we will think, what would it be if I attach myself to this or if I grab this opportunity? Friends, you know what? Some of those things might practically destroy our lives. You don't want getting into those places. But again, that requires wisdom. So don't expect that as well to just come automatically. And don't just rely on the Sunday service. You have got to dig deep into God's Word yourself. Now, what's the rational to giving attention to God's Word? It is to gain understanding on how to live one's life properly. And you might think, well, we get that in school. Really? Well, I know of a doctor, a very good doctor, by the way, who can't help himself. You know why? Because he's hooked into drugs. He's helping everybody else, giving prescriptions, but he can't help himself. He is practically helpless. I know of somebody who is extremely wealthy, studied abroad even, but you know what? When it comes to his life, when it comes to his marriage, he does not have a handle on it. And guess how he escapes? He puts a bullet inside his mouth and he kills himself. Well, friends, that's what we see in this world. And we can talk about story upon story upon story upon story. And friends, we have got to have this wisdom. Now, Solomon's description of his teaching is that it is sound. Now, what does sound mean? It means it's, it's tested and proven. The source, of course, is God's infinite and perfect wisdom. It doesn't get any better than that. You can't improve on something that's perfect. And how many times do we go to the Bible? How many times do we read the Scriptures? How many times do we actually obey and follow what the Word of God says? Sometimes we follow our hearts, we follow our emotions, we follow our passions. And what, what happens? Some people are, some women are impregnated before they get married. 
And some of them become single parents. And I'm not putting down the single parents. If that, was, if that is who you are right now, I'd like to be able to say that you may have made mistakes in your past, but here's the Bible. The Bible will help you make it straight. The Bible will help you have a restored life. So I'm not condemning those who have made mistakes in their lives, but I'm just saying we are actually a product of our own choices. So where do we, where do we go when we want wisdom? Obviously, we go to the Word. We go to the source of wisdom, the perfect and infinite wisdom of God. And that is why we need to stay this course. Notice what Solomon says, do not abandon my instruction. Could you say that to your neighbor, please? Do not abandon my instruction. Say it, please. And go shift to the other person and say, do not abandon my instruction. Oh, that was weak. <laughs> it's like, ah. Come on, let's do it with some energy. Could you say to the other brother or sister, do not abandon my instruction. <laughs> All right. I saw Brother Hawkson pointing to his sons. Do not abandon my instruction. Well, friends, that's exactly what needs to happen, not only to, to the children, but to us parents. Because it's actually possible for us to abandon the instruction of God. It is not enough that we listen to the wisdom of God. It must be embraced. It must be applied. It must be obeyed. Interestingly, one of the sons of Solomon, who became king, that's Rehoboam, did not follow the wisdom of his father. Guess what the result was? The result was civil war. The result was the kingdom of Israel being divided into two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Rehoboam actually just held on to only two tribes. Ten tribes departed from the kingdom of David, and they formed their own kingdom, which became known as the northern kingdom or Ephraim. And that is so unfortunate. And this tells you what? This tells you that even in matters of governance, and this was government we're talking about here, in matters of governance, we actually can, can glean from the Bible, we can actually lift wisdom from the Bible. I spoke to a retreat of a micro, uh, it's called the Light Microfinance Company. It's a non-government organization. Composed mostly, 60% would be uh, non-evangelical Christians, about 40% are. And so I was given the privilege to talk to them. And I began to talk about matters relating to our government. I used the example of Daniel, for example, and basically citing the impeccable record of this man in government. And it served him well, and it served the people that he was serving uh, as well. And so, when we talk about this kind of wisdom, this is all-encompassing. This is not just about family or marriage. This is talking about business. This is talking about how we do government. This is all-encompassing. And how we would be greatly enriched when we tap into the wisdom of God. 
And so, again, it is unfortunate that Rehoboam did not follow the wisdom of Solomon. But to be fair to Rehoboam, well, the first one who abandoned his own instruction was Solomon himself. As he got so, so lustful in having so many women in his life, many of the ladies that he got married to were actually pagans. They were worshiping other gods. And guess what happened to Solomon? He began to practice religious syncretism. Not that he abandoned Yahweh, but he began to add other gods. And that proved to be his destruction. That's why not only did he pen the book of Proverbs, he also penned the book of Ecclesiastes, which is actually a record of his stupidity, a record of his foolishness, a record of the vanity of his own life because of his worldly pursuits. Well, thank God we have the book of Proverbs, and thank God we also have uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. It gives us both sides of the picture. When you walk the way of wisdom, this is how it's going to be. This is going to be a good life. And when you walk the way of foolishness, well, obviously, it's going to be disastrous. So thank God we have those books to instruct us. So which brings me to my second point, the necessity of pursuing wisdom. Let's take a look at verse 4b all the way to verse 7. It says, Then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Now, all of this basically teaches us about the necessity of pursuing wisdom, running after it being intentional about acquiring it. And we find actually certain lessons from what we just read. First of all, a call to obedience to instruction. Again, we find synonymous words like hold fast and keep to emphasize that mental assent is not enough. It's not enough to nod your head and say, Pastor Mel, I agree with you. No, you've got to apply it in your life. Obedience is required. We're given an instruction for the continual pursuit of wisdom. Take a look at verse 5. How many times do you find the word acquire here? How many times? Take a look. How many times? The word acquire, just in verse 5. How many times? Twice. All right? You're very smart. Twice, yes. Why? Just in one verse... The word acquire is mentioned twice. That speaks of a continual pursuit of wisdom. It speaks about intentionality. It speaks about, it speaks about wanting it. My question really is, are you hungry and thirsty still for God's Word? I mean, some people probably are thinking, well, Pastor Mel, I've been with you for several years. I've heard it all. I've heard all your sermons. And it's nothing new, really. Some things that you just keep on repeating them. Well, that might be true. But do you know that the Holy Spirit's anointing can make it so fresh to you? It may not be new, 
But when you, are, when you open your heart, when you open your mind, the Spirit of God just illumines it, and it goes beyond the manuscript, and it, you begin to have an encounter with God, and you leave this place having felt the presence of the Lord, knowing that God spoke to you. But that only happens when you're hungry and thirsty. If you're saying, I'm full, if you have no spiritual appetite any longer, then nothing of what I do and nothing of what I say is going to help you. But if you are hungry and thirsty, this is going to help you a lot. And friends, that I pray is what's happening actually here and now. That there is just this openness. You know, I continue to pursue the wisdom of God. I'm thankful to the Lord. Two legends, two spiritual legends came over to Cebu. I got to talk to Dr. Harold Sela, a well-known author, of course, well-known radio commentator, well-known speaker. He speaks all over the world. And we spent time together. We were celebrating his advanced birthday, or was it a delayed birthday? I'm not sure anymore. But we were seated together, and he was just pouring out his life, pouring out his experience, pouring out his learnings to me. He spoke for maybe a couple of hours, and I was just sucking it in. I was just digesting everything that he was sharing to me. And then about a week ago, yeah, was it a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Edmond Chan came over and dropped by in Cebu. What a privilege that was because he, he could have gone to Manila for a connecting flight, but he decided he would come here because he wanted to see me. And we spent two days, two days. He was just mentoring me. He was just really pouring out his life, pouring out his ministry, pouring out his learnings. And I was just sucking it in. I was just soaking in all of that wisdom, receiving everything that, that he was sharing to me and how I was greatly enriched by that. My wife was there also and we were talking to him and she was just receiving everything. I'm hungry. I'm hungry still. I'm thirsty still. Why do you think I'm, I'm enrolled in the masteral class in Thea? Actually, uh, my professors thought that the senior pastors would not enroll. They were th really thinking of the young, young ministers, the mavericks, so to speak, and wanting to instruct them. And they were actually surprised that I myself enrolled in that course. And why did I do that? I mean, I'm 55 already. I'm 56. And some of you are probably thinking, that's not a good time to go to school. Well, maybe. Actually, I'm thinking, this should have come much earlier in my life. But you know what? I may be this age already, but I want to learn. Until the day I die, I'm just going to continue to learn. Why? Because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Jesus wants that. He wants you thirsty. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And that's the problem sometimes with a lot of people. I mean, the Word of God is there, but sometimes we're not hungry enough. Sometimes we're not thirsty enough. Sometimes we don't have the spiritual appetite. 
We want to maintain our status quo. We're merely on maintenance mode, and we're wondering, why am I spiritually dry? Well, you're dry because you're not hungry. You're dry because you're not thirsty any longer. God wants you thirsting after Him. Remember the psalmist, what he said? As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants after Thee. That's what needs to happen. A continual thirst for the Word of God. It doesn't really matter who's behind this pulpit. I'm not just the only one who stands behind this. And uh, sometimes I get frustrated when I hear people uh, not attending church because it's not Pastor Mel who's preaching. Well, friends, it's the Word of God. It doesn't really matter who's behind the pulpit. Come and attend because they have some things to learn. I'm, I'm not the only one. I do not have a monopoly of truth. And that needs to be clear. We will learn from so many people if we're open, if we're hungry, if we're thirsty. Now notice also here in another passage, a call to commit to memory and faithful obedience. Notice what it says here. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forget. One of my regrets now is that when I was younger, I did not memorize as many verses of Scripture. Because right now, my memory at this age is not as sharp as it used to be. And I'm thinking, Lord, I missed it. But you know how difficult it is? I mean, try memorizing. When you're 50 years old, all right? How many here are 50, by the way, and above? Raise your hands. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot of classmates here. Amen. You know how hard it is, right? I mean, just to keep on memorizing things. But, you know, we have to be intentional. Those of you who are young, memorize Scriptures. You know why? You know what the psalmist said? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. The more you memorize Scripture, the more it becomes part of your life, the more it will be able to guard you, the more it will be able to inspire you, the more your, your faith would be energized. That's what memory does, memorizing Scripture does. Here we find a call to cling to wisdom. It says in verse 6, do not forsake her. Tell your neighbor, do not forsake her. All right? The her there is wisdom, all right? Don't look for somebody else. That's wisdom that's being talked about there. Do not forsake her. Again, we find a continual pursuit of wisdom. Take a look at uh, verse 7. It says, the word acquire is mentioned twice again. Notice the progression also. It says, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. You know what that is saying? It's saying, don't be satisfied. Don't think you have enough. Don't think you know it all. It says here, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Friends, here's where I'd like to say that I value my diploma from IBI, International Bible Institute, more than I value 
my diploma from De La Salle University. I hope the Lasalites who are listening right now are not going to get angry with me. I'm still go La Salle. But I just have to say, there is so much more that I have learned about life because of International Bible Institute. And my thinking is, why didn't I get this earlier? How I wish I had this a lot earlier. But friends, this is the thing that God wants us to have, a continual thirst, a continual pursuit. And we come to the climax, the third point, which is the blessedness of wisdom in three verses. Verse 6, verses 8 and 9. It says here, do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. All of these are benefits of wisdom, but they are conditional. Say conditional. Say conditional. They are conditional benefits of wisdom. In other words, it's not going to work for you by simply hearing it. You have to apply it. And so what do we have here? Well, first of all, a protected life. If she is loved, if wisdom is loved and not forsaken. Knowing that wisdom protects should cause us to pursue it relentlessly. And this is what David admonished Solomon and Solomon in turn, his own son. We'd like our children to have a bright future. Amen? Amen? We want them to have a bright future. And the wisdom that you can give to them is the wisdom of the Bible. I know some of us, we want to send our children to the best schools. We're racking our brains, maybe going over time because we want our children to get the very best education. And I do not want to belittle or diminish the importance of that. But let me tell you, the greatest education you can ever give to your children is the Word of God. Amen? It is the Word of God. So you have a protected life. Not only that, exaltation and honor will generally come to those who prize and embrace wisdom. Actually, and I don't have the time to explain this, verse 8 actually uses a Hebrew way of uh, emphasizing, it uses what is called as a chiastic structure. But basically, just to go straight to the point, what it is really trying to do is place the emphasis on exaltation and honor coming when you treasure wisdom. Now, how many here want to be exalted? Raise your hands, please. All right. Some of you are eating a lot of humble pie or pretending. How many here want to be exalted? Raise your hands, please. Oh, yes, of course. We want that because this, that's the sign of God's favor. But know what the Bible says. Promotion does not come from the east nor the west, but it comes from the Lord God Almighty. And it comes because you attach yourself to the perfect wisdom of God. 
Godly wisdom is something that needs to be passed on from generation to generation if our church and if our families is, are going to survive this dark world that we are in. Parents, you are called upon by God to instruct your children. Ephesians 6 verse 4 reads, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Children, on the other hand, are to honor and obey and, and follow the instruction of their parents that they might reap the benefits of that wisdom. But it doesn't stop there. I'm 55. Doctors say that the average Filipino age for males is between 60 to 70 years old. So if I'm 55, and if God is merciful to me, and I get to live at least until 70, I still have about 15 more years, more or less, of ministry. And here's, here are my thoughts. What is, what is living word going to look like? when God takes me home? What is living word going to look like when God takes me home? Will the next generation step up to the plate? What about the third generation? Will they still be similar to living word, the original paradigm that it was, passionate about the word, passionate about prayer, passionate about discipleship? Will it still be the same? That's my concern. And the reason why I'm preaching these things to you is because I want us to be responsible to pass this on to the next generation. So let me close with one more verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. It says here, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now think about this for a while. How many generations are being talked about in this verse? Do you, do you know how many generations are being talked about here? We're talking about four generations. You have Paul. Paul is the one who wrote this. Whom, to whom is he writing this to? He's writing it to Timothy. And what is his instruction to Timothy? He says, entrust these to whom? To faithful men, third generation. And then he says, who will be able to teach others also, fourth generation. So what's living word going to look like four generations down the road? I'm hoping that down the road, it will still be the same old living word that is walking the ancient path. And friends, let me tell you, it's not going to happen if we drift away from this wisdom that God has given to us. Let's stay with it. And friends, we will remain as the living Word. Amen? Let's give the Lord a big hand, please. Shall we pray, please? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes at this time. Our Father, we just come before You with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, thank You for instructing us and inspiring us to love the Word. 
some of us are turning cold towards the Word of God. I know that there are many here who are saying, I've read the Bible for several years already. There's nothing new in it. But Lord, you know that your Word is alive. It's not just words that are penned by ink. These words are God-breathed words. And therefore, as we read it, you could breathe life into it and make us understand and make us see things that we never saw before. But that will not happen, Lord, if we don't have the appetite. That will not happen if we're no longer hungry and thirsty. So here's my prayer, Lord, for this congregation. I pray, Lord, raise the level of the spiritual appetite of your people. Let us never ever be content and think that we know it all. Allow us to understand that there is still so much to learn. Now we still can dig deeper, deeper, deeper still into the Word of God and still find great treasures in it. So Father, help us because we are so weak and we need your grace working in our lives. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you also for the opportunity to give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings. Lord, use them for the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.